What is up, ladies and gentle nerds? It's your boy Graham, also known as HamHawks42 on the internet, and today we are looking at another random magic card. Alright, so today, what is it that we've got on the docket? We've got Scale Blessing. It is an instant for three generic, one white, bolster one, then put a plus one plus one counter on each creature you control with a plus one plus one counter on it. Okay, now... Okay, so this is the first time I'm seeing this. This is an uncommon from Dragons of Tarkir. And let's see, what does Bolster 1 do? To Bolster 1, choose a creature with the least toughness among creatures you control and put a plus one plus one counter on it. Okay. So I can appreciate that idea. Find, like, choose the weakest creature that you have and buff it up a little bit. Alright, and the reason that you choose it is because if you have multiple creatures that are tied for that for that lowest toughness, you get to pick which one it is. So, okay, I can appreciate that. Um, especially in, like, armies that consist of weenies or something like that, which you might see in white, um, you know, it wouldn't be uncommon. You'd have, you know, you may have three or four things that all have one toughness or two toughness. So, okay, you know, you pick one, put a plus one plus one counter on it, and then you put an additional plus one plus one counter on each other creature you control with a plus one plus one counter on it. Now, that to me, that sounds like old school proliferate. Like, that sounds like an early attempt at proliferate. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if they were happy with the results that they saw here, because obviously proliferate has become its own keyword. And it doesn't just apply to plus one plus one counters, it applies to all counters across the board. Um, so that's pretty cool. I can appreciate kind of an early attempt at that because proliferating with plus one plus one counters is absolutely a viable strategy. There's nothing wrong with that um, as a way of just permanently buffing your entire army. And if you're going wide, that actually is really valuable because um, something, when you have a buff that puts a plus one plus one counter on your on a creature, um, it's generally like that's generally better than it reads because that plus one plus one counter doesn't go anywhere. It sticks around. Also, the other cool thing about this is it's an instant. So this, the upside of this card is excellent. Downside, eh, it worst case situation, worst case scenario, you only you don't have any other creatures that have plus one plus one counters on them. Um, or your weakest creature is also the only one that already has a plus one plus one counter. So absolute worst case scenario, you're just getting two plus one plus one counters because you put the one on the weaker on the weakest creature you've got, and then you put another one on it. Now, even that situationally could be pretty could be pretty decent. Um, the only issue with that is it costs four. Like for a combat trick where that's the best you can do, like four is awfully expensive. Um, however, the other thing that you could do here is if you have a situation where all of your creatures have plus one plus one counters on them already for some reason. Whether they, whether some effect allowed them to come in with plus one plus one counters, like a Grum Gully or what is it, Nylea? I think it is uh, that allows the anyway one of the demigods from Theros allows creatures to come in with plus one plus one counters on it. But actually, that that's an ability that we see a lot throughout the years, especially in green. So if you're doing like a Selesnia situation, um, putting counters on a lot of creatures is not hard to do. And if you have a deck that's already doing that, topping it off with Scales Blessing at instant speed as a potential like huge overrun blowout on your opponent could be pretty fun. You know, wait for them to like set up their blockers, do all their math, and then you could just be like, oh, by the way, that one little weenie that you thought you could just eat, um, actually that has is now two bigger than you thought, and everything else is plus one bigger. So all that really careful combat math you just did now nah, throw all of that out and now all these things are so much bigger um 
that's cool. Like, you know, there's a, there's a possibility there that that's pretty neat. And then you combine that with other cards that allow you to proliferate. Um, oh my goodness, the, the potential here to really just pop off is there. You know, the upside on this card is really, really high. Um, four is expensive for, for an upside that is that situational. So that's my only concern with this, really. And because the floor is so, so low on it, the fact that... Um, well, I mean, absolute worst case scenario, you don't have a board and you top deck this, but like worst case scenario, when you would play this in an attempt to get some value out of it, you're getting two plus one plus one counters on one of your creatures. Now, the only thing about that that really stinks is it's the weakest creature. So you don't have, you don't have flexibility over which creature gets the counter. If this red put a plus one plus one counter on a creature you control, and then put an additional plus one plus one counter on all creatures you control. Like bolster as a um, as a keyword in this particular instance isn't really not doing you any favors because it's only restricting your choices. And that's saying that that stinks. That's the word I was looking for. So yeah, all in all, like I feel like this is fine like in limited i'm not going to be super mad if i get this although like a four mana combat trick that that's not something that i want to pick early but if like if this were to wheel and i have other cards that could synergize with it i'm not mad um i don't know the dragons of tarkir format super well as far as limited goes so i don't know um exactly how that lines up but constructed this is just a little too clunky um the the big benefit though is that it is an instant speed um because modifying your creatures like pumping your creatures at instant speed can be really really cool you can do a lot of powerful things with that so that's not nothing you know i can definitely appreciate that so i don't know there might be there are probably applications out there but eh I don't know. Um, anyway, so the, the artwork that we can see here, we have a soldier kneeling, and in the foreground you see a dragon's claw um, kind of reaching out and tapping him on the shoulder, and it's clearly bestowing. There's some kind of majestic, magical energy transferring from the claw into the soldier. So it looks very similar to, um, this is actually reminiscent of a knighting ceremony. So when you think of, you know, a knight kneeling before their liege and they they lay the, the sword on their shoulders, it looks like that, except the dragon is using their claw. Um, so that's pretty cool. And so in the, the Dragons of Tarkir block, where the dragons were, like, you know, the dominant force on Tarkir, that, that makes sense. Um, I can also appreciate how the soldier's armor is vaguely reminiscent of, like, dragon scales and, like, the imagery that we associate with dragon horns and claws. Um, just kind of the motifs around the helmet and the um, the shoulder plating. Like, it looks like it's, like, like it resembles dragons. So in a timeline where the dragons are in charge, yeah, it makes sense that draconic imagery would appear even on the human's armor. So I can definitely appreciate that. And the uh, the flavor text here is, Your bravery honors us all. And that's attributed to Dramoka, translated from draconic. Oh, okay. So the dragons couldn't speak um, English or common or... I, I guess that's it. actually... I find that interesting that in the flavor text here, it calls out a translation. Um specifically because magic being a multiverse the idea i have never once considered what language 
do the people speak in magic? Now, that's a common thought that occurs. You know, I know in, like in D&D, &D, there are whole systems around languages. And when, you know, you're watching television, you know, when they like sci-fi shows, there's the question of like, well, in Star Trek, why do they all speak English um, or whatever language you're watching it in? And the truth is like, oh, they have they have universal translators. And like, oh, how does that work? Don't worry about it. Like, but they do, ha like, there's this hand wavium that, like, yes, they all speak different languages, but you, it'd be almost unwatchable if we had to do that. So there's some way that they can all understand each other. Um, you know, like, uh, Farseek had translator microbes that they actually injected into people, like that kind of stuff. Anyway, and in um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, there was the babblefish that, or, that went into Arthur Dent's ear um, that would translate for him. Like, that kind of stuff, it, it, that was very, that's that kind of hand wavium is there because we do have to acknowledge that whenever you're dealing with multiple cultures, multiple areas, people coming from all these different backgrounds that have been geographically separated as they developed. Yeah, of course their languages aren't going to be the same. That'd be, that'd be bizarre. And like, that's impossible for languages to develop, um, you know, in parallel like that. But in magic, we have a multiverse situation where for some reason there are humans all over the place, which, okay, you could do some hand wavium for that. I, and that's, that I'm not really too worried about, like whatever. Um, but, the fact that they can all understand each other and the planeswalkers can all communicate with one another. What is the reason for that? Now, I'm not aware of any lore reason why the languages are, are the same. I just had never considered it. Except now this card, the flavor text is saying that, oh, Dromoka's words had to be translated from Draconic. And now I'm thinking, well, okay, what language were they translated into? And who speaks that language? Is it a native Tarkir language? Is it a native Tarkir language in the timeline of dragons of Tarkir? And it wasn't necessarily in cons of Tarkir? Is it? Is there some kind of common language that exists throughout the multiverse? You know, when a planeswalker just drops in on Tarkir, how do they know, like, how are they able to communicate with one another? I'm seriously wondering, how does that work? Because uh, I don't know. And on top of that, it had never occurred to me to even ask that question until something like this. And so that's one of those things. So for all you writers out there who are interested in creating creative fiction, um, know what you're calling attention to. Because uh, that's one of those things. Had this just been, your bravery honors us all, Dramoka. I wouldn't have thought anything of it. It's like, oh, the, okay, the dragon is honoring their soldier, um, and they're, you know, bestowing a blessing onto that soldier, which makes them more powerful. Cool. Like, flavorfully, that all lines up. Everything's good. Except now, instead of appreciating all of that, and the hard work that Matt Stewart did on this artwork, which is very good, by the way, because, I mean, well, it's magic on it. It's a, it's a modern magic art. Of course, the art's good. Um, again, if you're making magic, if you're making artwork on magic cards, thank you. Your work is phenomenal. Um, and so, you know, it's it's a beautiful piece, but now I, I'm completely distracted by all of that because of one little comment, um, because of three words in the flavor text. Um, and I find that that really breaks the immersion on this card, which is a bit of a shame, I got to admit. But at the same time, like, it is what it is. You know, overthinking is kind of what we do here. And the language question when it comes to fantasy and science fiction is one that every single property ends up facing. So the fact that I personally haven't faced it with magic before, uh, I guess, you know, this is just kind of a moment when I can no longer appreciate just the innocent naivete in the fact that 
Jace can talk to Vraska and no one cares why or how. Um, but alas, here we are. And now I will forever wonder. Now, if you know the reason for that, if you're aware of the lore reason why um, people from different planes can actually communicate, please let me know. I'd love to hear it. Um, is that something, like, do planeswalkers have some kind of mystical ability where they can, uh, like, translate as they jump between planes? Um, I would love to know. Anyway, thank you so much for hanging out, everybody. Um, oh, man, but that even, if they have some kind of magical ability where they can translate, then that brings up the other question of... Do, are they translating just the the language of like humanoid races or can they also like talk to animals and stuff? I don't know. <laughs> how does this work? Ah, how does this work? Anyway. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to go ahead and go into a tailspin trying to worrying about multiverse linguistics. Um, and thank you so much for hanging out. I appreciate it. I'm going to go freak out about that. If you have some way of regaining my sanity and explaining how the hell this all works, I would really appreciate it if you'd hit me up on Twitter at Hawks42 or pop by my live stream over on Twitch, twitch.tv slash hamhawks42. And please, please tell me how this works. Anyway, thank you so much for hanging out. You're the best. Have a wonderful day. I will catch you next time.